Payad. Oh. <laughs> kitty, 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 kitty. Yeah, bud. No, I love that. I love it. <laughs> Welcome, friends, to the Joe Blow Horror Show, where we review, rate, discuss, and break down horror movies, not horror films. As I'm saying that, Tibu's sitting there drinking a beer with his pinky up in the air. We're not that sophisticated, so oh. you need to calm the hell down, all right? Speaking this is how I drink my beer. We have, let me introduce the cast of characters tonight. As always, we have the man from the South who has supposedly the best jumbo gumbo in the state of Louisiana. The man himself, Whoa. Agent T. Boo. Yeah, boo. What's up? Okay, look, let me, I, I can make a gumbo, but I'm not going to sit here and claim that I've got like the fucking best, like hands down. I've been to some gumbo cook-offs where they knocked my socks off. So not the best, but I appreciate that. And I've got another man from the South joining me straight up from the nightclub podcast my co-host on that show mr ricky rajon the boy boy the boy boy mr ricky how are you it's 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 been a long time man it's been a i know <laughs> but four days. like it's been forever yeah right <laughs> yep, four days well we are coming at you again with another fireside chat bonus episode Tibu, should we tell them why we're pumping out a few bonus episodes, fireside chats, or sh- are we going to leave that a surprise? Oh, man, you're putting me on the spot asking me that, like, on the show. Uh, we didn't even yeah. discuss this beforehand. No. I mean, I kind of – I I think we should tease it a little bit, maybe. Yeah, yeah, we'll tease it a little bit. Just be prepared for episode 50. Yeah. And to be honest – I think if you think about it, you'll, you'll figure out what's coming, but we figure episode 50 is going to be a milestone episode. So we're going to come at you with a, something a little special. Speaking of special, let's cover just a minute real quick of some housekeeping here. Once we do get back to our regular recorded podcasts, keep in mind, it is going to be the different format. You're going to get all of the exact same style uh, and preferences, I guess, is a Joe Blow Horror Show. It's just going to be presented to you a little bit differently. We're going to explain it as we're taking you on a road trip. Um, so basically, two episodes are going to be – one episode is going to be split into two episodes. So the first part of the road trip, we're going to cover our horror happenings. We're going to cover our discussion topic, our shotgun reviews. 
We're going to, of course, stop by the Titty Twister. And the first leg of the road trip is going to conclude with our segment that is upcoming. We're then going to call that an episode. And then we're going to come back for the second leg of the road trip. And we are still going to hit up the Titty Twister. That's going to be our last call. And then we're going to hit you with our two features. So it's just going to be one episode is going to be first and second feature review. And another episode is going to be, you know, the news and discussion and segment and all that kind of stuff. Should be easier for you guys to go through the notes if you want to hit up only, you know, your favorite segment or, or a certain movie. It'll be a little bit easier for you guys in that respect anything you want to add to that mr tibu yeah that and and for people who love just getting the reviews and wanting wanting to hear our opinions on on the films that we're going to cover you have episode two like he said the second leg of the road trip and i'm 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 excited uh it's it's going to be a new way to listen to the joe blow horror show should be streamlined should be the userability i feel like i've made that word up we're, we're increasing <laughs> userability. No, I, I mean, I like the word. It makes me want to use it in yep. real life. Yep. The userability of this fucking wrench isn't right, and I just throw it across the room, but then I'm stupid because <laughs> i got to walk across the room and get it to use it again. So tonight for our Fireside Chat episode, we are going to be covering Audition. And it sounds like, well, why don't, why don't you explain why we're covering Audition there, Tibu? Okay, so <laughs> first, first and foremost, like 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 Boss Tuna said, we're building up to uh, episode fifty, and we're throwing in some of these fireside chats because they're a hell of a lot of fun. And this was a random one-off. What are we going to talk about tonight? A lot of fun to just do this spur of the moment. And lately, I've been diving into something that. Your boy, Kaboy Ricky Prejean has turned me on to, which is the Phantasm franchise. And at first, I wanted to talk about the original Phantasm from 1979 tonight. But Mm -hmm. my gears started to turn. I knew that, that neither Ricky nor Boss Tuna had seen Audition from 1999. And I'm like, I think both of these guys would like this film. So uh, tonight's purpose for me, having seen the film, is I'm trying to gauge whether or not I can predict what my co-host on two separate shows, but we're all coming together here for this one, what you guys enjoy as far as a horror movie goes. I I thought about it. There's different aspects of the film for each of you that I thought you'd enjoy it for. So this is going to be fun to figure out for me tonight. Um, (laughs) Okay. But all, uh, spe- it, all this talking that I'm that I'm having to explain myself and fucking sit here and, and, and ramble on, I'm I'm getting a little. I'm sorry, man, but I'm getting a little thirsty. Um, this this uh, my mouth dry, dry. He's dry down here in the south. Yeah. Just <laughs> in your mouth. <laughs> I think we need to go and stop being at the titty twister. Mr. 
that we're slashing pussy in half. Give us an offer on our best selection of pussy. This is a pussy blow. Okay, so for the titty twister, I had them put something special on tap tonight. And in fact, this something special has been sitting with me for, I want to say, I think it's been about five months. And I've been saving it for a special occasion. And I actually, if I'm being truthful, I just couldn't handle it. And I just had to drink it. So that's why I'm drinking it now. Uh, this is a shout out to my buddy Kramer up in Minnesota. Hooked me up with this. It's a small brewery. It's out of Champlin, Minnesota. The brewery is called Elm Creek Brewing Company. He got me a crawler of Still Night. It's a cherry milk stout coming in at a 6.0 ABV. Mm. Back into this here and start pouring it. And I'll give you the, uh, the heads up here in a minute. And one of you guys, what are you guys drinking? Well... <laughs> Uh, speaking of being inspired uh, yet again by Ricky, I'm drinking some Natter Days, um, Natural Light Natter Days. They have some cheapo beers, but I'm a cheapo guy. And Strawberry oh, Lemonade yeah. is the way to go. They go down fresh, like crisp. It's fresh. Oh, yeah. Pour the shit out of that. What you said is cherry wheat stout? Cherry milk stout. Cherry milk stout. I, I honestly would rather be drinking a stout at the moment, more of my preference, yeah. but but the Natter Days. Hail to the Natter Days. And that's what I'm rocking to. The Natter Days must be on the nightly special at uh, the Titty Twist. Titty Twista tonight. What, what flavor are you drinking? Oh, you got two of them there. He's double fisting. So I've got the strawberry in one hand, and i got the uh, pineapple in the other Yeah. This is pretty solid. It's got a reddish. You probably can't see it too well on the camera, but it's got it's super super dark. Yeah. But when I can when I look through it at the bottom, it's a little reddish tint. So I mean, the cherries are not as pronounced as I would like, but still very good. I'll probably be giving this about a four on Untapped. So mm, damn, about an eight, out to the, yeah. eight out of 10, pretty, pretty solid, pretty solid. So if I had go, to man. rate a natter day, I would say like just on enjoyment, pure enjoyment scale. I like a three, three out of five. Like, like crushable. I can just, super yeah, super crushable. I'm on my like yeah. sixth, sixth one right now. So nice. Very nice. Here, I'm going to crack this one open. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Love it. Busting that cherry, sir. <laughs> yep. Well, we are going to just hop right into our first feature review.
Okay, so if you guys couldn't tell uh, with all face of Face off that. with uh, with uh, Nicholas Cage, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's a callback, motherfuckers. Why don't you why don't you stretch your balls out and get your shit together and uh, <laughs> just stretch the ball? <laughs> Yeah, I forgot well, the expression. I'm so happy right now. Obviously, it, I'm, I'm, if you guys couldn't figure out the language in that last trailer, I mean, you should. I mean, come on. It's <laughs> Audition, obviously. Audition is a 1999 <laughs> movie, rated R. It's a quite long one. This one's just under two hours at 115 minutes. It is available on Shudder. I watch it on Shudder because it's commercial free, but it's also on Tubi. This is a subtitled movie. It's Jap- Japanese, right? Yep. Not, yeah, Japanese. I was going to say Korean for some reason. I've been on a Korean kick late, as of late. What, what do you guys think this got on the B? Uh, this, this movie on IMDb, I would say 7.2. It was, I was exactly... Gonna, I was going to come up. Oh, oh. okay. Oh, go ahead. I, I, you always say you look, so I assumed you had looked. I actually didn't. Oh, I was okay. gonna say around seven. I, so, I fucked that I mean, up. Pretty much the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's seven point two exactly. Oh I wow! Not, I, yeah. I did not this look. I didn't motherfucker right here. Yeah. No, yeah. this is only the second time that I've ever been ever been right. <laughs> Drunk Darius was on last time, and he's calling you out. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's okay. I, I, I didn't look though. You I'm not a liar, damn it. Like what we, what, <laughs> well, what do we think? Well, it got, what are we going to do with this lying motherfucker right here? <laughs> I don't know. Look, I mean, man. I think we just need to get some piano wire out and cripple them. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, hey, no spoilers. No spoilers, guys. What do you – Put him in that bag. Make him, a, make him a vomit, Jim. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right this is awesome all right feeling this back yeah. in here what do we think this got on the critic score on rotten tomatoes so it was a 7.2 on IMDb, which is user let's look at critics on rotten tomatoes um, maybe 65 percent i'd say uh, i'm gonna go ahead and say if if the b got it set 7.2 i'm gonna say on on rotten tomatoes the critic score is like 88 89 percent 82%. Okay. Let's do it here. This was directed by V. Takashi Maike. Mike. Mike. Yep. Mm-hmm. This guy is busier than the dad of the Brady Bunch because he is working. He is 110 directing credits under his name. And nice. that just blows my mind because the guy is like 60 years old, I think. He is probably most notable for One Missed Call, Three Extremes, but he is also very influential to multiple other, I would say, well, I don't know what you would consider like the Soska sisters or Eli Roth. I mean, Eli Roth, this movie has supposedly started the whole, I would say, torture porn kind of deal. And I, would, I, would, I wouldn't personally... I wouldn't consider Eli Roth a torture porn director or oh, or a, or, a, or a maker of uh, 
well, that's he. I'd, I'd say, I mean, that that could be his opinion, but I'd, I'd like to know which films he's in reference to which he would compare Eli Roth's movies. But uh, hostile, hostile, <laughs> pretty much, I think, no, he considers that all torture porn. No, I know, but I mean, like, I wonder what he's he's holding it up against because I don't oh, think those you. movies are nest- torture porn. Um, I don't think this movie's torture porn either. I think oh, it has a phenomenal maybe, maybe third the very act, but... end of it or something, but. Well. So, anyways, Takashi Miike is just—I mean, he is pretty famous in his own right. Maybe not as much. I mean, I, I think most horror fans have heard of him, but he's not like a Spielberg or a Scorsese that everyone is going to know. So, Japan, though, he is a—I mean, he's—he's—he's he's, he's the man in Japan. The man in Japan, man. Okay, so this movie, obviously, there's. I would say there's four main characters, and I'm gonna attempt to say their names. We have Ayama is the main dude in here, who is portrayed by Ryo Ishibashi, and every one of the four main characters has actually acted in something that I had recognized. So this guy was in The Grudge, um, in The Grudge Two, Asami was by Elhai Shaina and she mm-hmm. was yep so she was in uh, Tokyo Gore Police I've heard of them and yes yeah, she was yep Meatball Machine as well the boy uh Shigaiko or whatever he's the son he's Ioma's son basically yeah Shigaiko he, and uh Shikahura, uh I think it's Shigahura is the is the father their last name is Ayama. Yeah, they just call yeah. him Ayama or whatever. Yeah, name. they do. They they go by last names Japan. They, you know, yeah. they're different. Yeah. So he he doesn't have a lot of acting credits, but he was in, you know, a, a few movies. And then lastly, I knew I recognized so his his buddy, I don't think it was his boss, but Yoshikawa. Yeah. I think it's his it's his producer friend. His producer friend, yeah, yeah, they're they're coworkers or or yeah, or, yeah whatever. I recognize him, and I couldn't tell from where. And then I found out he was the Japanese man in The Wailing. He was also in. Oh. So, yeah, this guy was in some pretty legit stuff. So I, I wish I could. I couldn't find anything as far as a budget on this. I don't know if it had to do with something with you know. The, it didn't translate. Yeah, it didn't really. Yeah, I, I couldn't find anything as far as you know the numbers. <laughs> I'm sorry. Whether, yeah, I don't really know. A little trivia I do have on this is this was very well – well, as we talked about a minute ago, it's it's a – this movie's inspired a lot of, of other directors out there, like the Soska sisters, Eli Roth. Eli Roth was very much so inspired by this, and in fact, this is how we got Hostel, and he was so inspired by it, he wanted to get Maike or Mike involved, and he actually – acted in hostel so he was one of the japanese businessmen that was you know happy as well too so elhai who plays asami she was an F- a method actor so when she's carrying the bowl of vomit that's actual real vomit that was her vomit in the bowl i doubt it was what the the <laughs> gimp was eating yeah. The vomit that gimp, was right? the flopping. That was the imp gimp. That was the slopping out of the bowl. That was her real nasty ass. Yeah. God. I did. I did not know that, and that is fucking phenomenal. Yep. And That's I would awful. say, like, I texted you guys that burger I was eating. I mean, so I'm like trying to finish my dinner, and I'm watching this somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> God, I lost it. 
that that actually grossed me out. And then reading that it was real, I was just like, my stomach was turning. <laughs> so that color, man. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. It looked like butternut squash gazpacho. Yeah, I had that. It was, was gross. Exact same color and texture. God. Okay, so this obviously this is a a it's a Japanese movie. It's all in Japanese. It's subtitled. So this was virtually non-existent in the U S as far as a theater release. So it did, did make the festival run. This supposedly has a record number of walkouts at the Rotterdam film fest. Uh, apparently <laughs> someone like, passed out and they had to call an ambulance and whatever. So that, that was kind of funny. Yeah, you get all these people over there expecting to see like some indie, you know, some, some super art house indie movie. And then this is, coming on and they're like oh god <laughs> so which is funny things. because it, it most it of takes the movie, a, yep it takes a while to get into the shit yes. i mean yep. yeah, yeah it does. That's what i was thinking there's a couple pieces of information that i really enjoyed reading here i i, I did want to say real quick I, I i did discuss the pacing with uh ricky beforehand i i called this movie a big build-up to a big payoff. Oh, okay. So that, yeah, I, do I, that. I, I just wanted to put that out there based on what you just said, but go ahead. Yep. Uh, Boston. Okay. So my two favorite things I read about this, because these are two very, not only respected in my eyes, but overall respected directors out there. Uh, Rob Zombie, maybe a little bit more controversial than the other. I love Rob Zombie. But he calls this the most creepy and unsettling film he has watched. So this really got under his skin. Quentin Tarantino, this is one of his top, top, top favorite movies that have come out between, uh, there, there was like some kind of, um, I, I want to say in 2009, he was interviewed and it, he said it was probably his favorite movie he's seen since, you know, it came out. So that was like a 10 year period there. Um, he goes, this is a, a, a true masterpiece if there ever were one. So, uh, this movie was shot in three weeks, which some people might think, damn, that's not very long, but that's actually one week longer than the average for a Mike movie. And obviously with the guy that's got 110 film credits, you can imagine he must pump through He's those. Efficient. Oh yeah. <laughs> very efficient. Yep. So, um, anything else you guys yeah. want to add before we hop into the actual review it sounds like uh takashi Mike knows how to shoot a fucking movie um if yep. if if he's as involved as it sounds like then i'm blown away by the amount of really good shots he 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 can frame up within that short amount of time or if he thinks about all this beforehand or if he's just got a good team of people who know how to pull this shit off i i, I want to see and uh, Ricky, you saw Tokyo Gore Police, right? Mm-hmm. And and yeah. that that movie has cinematography like this, like like all these to me really good shots. No, no, it's it's different. It's different. Okay, all yeah. right, that's interesting. That's interesting, then. Okay. All right, so yeah, no, I just wanted to point out, impressed by the cinematography, but let's let's uh get into this motherfucker. Yeah, bud. Okay, like so it. audition first impressions ricky any backstory with this first time watch have you ever heard of it T talk to me talk to me goose i had heard of 
I had heard <laughs> about it before, <laughs> um, but only recently, actually. Uh, after I watched Tokyo Gore Police, I found out that the lead actress was the lead actress in this movie as well. So it was kind of on my list anyway. Okay. Uh, are you, would you say you're a Takashi Miike fan or have you just kind of stumbled upon these two or? I think, I think this is uh, the first movie of his that I see actually. Okay. Well, he did. Well, did you see Tokyo Gore Police first or audition? Tokyo Gore Police. Okay. Did he do that one too? Yes. Yep. Oh, he did. Yes. Okay. Wow. Okay. What about you, Tibu? I don't, I don't remember how I heard of it. Uh, I do know that Tarantino rates it high. Um, I have heard other people talk about the film, but I watched it for the first time, I want to say like a year or so ago. And I mean, yeah, we're talking about it tonight because like I said earlier, I wanted to see if I knew what my co-hosts were, you know, feeling when it comes to this film. And I have different reasons for both you guys. So um, I recommended it. Okay, so if we're playing this game, I'm going to put you on the spot. And just like the Best of 2020 episode, you got to guess what our ratings are going to be. So pre-show okay. without any – just by going off of how well you know us, where do you think we're coming in at rating-wise? Well, I, I am a little bit affected by us all joking around about the film a minute ago, so I, I can't not remember that. But – I'll say I think I, I kind of felt like y'all both would come in at least between a 7.5, honestly, like the lowest to, <laughs> well, I could, I could see one of y'all coming in <laughs> at like a 9.5 or 10. Um, maybe both. I don't know. I don't know. I, I was at least thinking the lowest though would be like a 7.5 for both of you guys. Okay. So who, well, I mean, put a number. Who's gonna like it more, me or or, or like it less? Uh, I think Rick, I think Ricky is gonna like it more. <laughs> okay. If, if I had to guess. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I had. It's a lot of points for being fucking weird. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I heard about this movie only in its name. Uh, and the only thing that I had heard about it, someone mentioned something about, I just remember piano. So the whole time I was thinking audition, like he, you know, audition for like a pianist, you know, not, not Adrian Brody, right. you know, auditioning <laughs> but, a penis. Yes. But it was not, I was watching it waiting and waiting. I was like, where's, who's the piano player here? But then I was like, Oh, okay. That's where piano, yeah. piano wire come in. I'd heard about it. I have never seen a Takashi Miike movie before. And I have never seen, well, yeah, I, let's just, let's just get into it because I feel like there's going to be a lot to say with, with some people there. So let's just uh -oh. go around some general likes and dislikes, uh, starting with you, Tibu. Since you were the well, one that had seen this first. Yeah, what I like about this movie is how uncertain the film makes you. Um, uncertain about a lot of things. First of all, the film itself, if you're going into this knowing, like I did, that it's a horror film, you completely lose that. And like for the whole first, I'd say half hour to 45 minutes-ish, it's not until you get to know what's her, uh, Asami. Yep. 
a little bit more that you start to get that that mystery factor and that creep vibe that this movie what you said earlier someone called this like super fucking creepy or some shit rob zombie called this the most creepy and unsettling film that he has seen yeah for me there there there's a lot of that um <laughs> there's some imagery in this movie that fucked me up um, when I first saw it and by fuck me up, I don't mean like unrecoverable, but just I'll think about it sometimes like audition, man, the, some of the scenes, which we'll get to if we, when we start talking about the scenes themselves, but well, I, I, I'm going to say like the imagery of, of, uh, Asami bent over with her head down in front of like waiting for the phone to ring. And there's that bag in the room that moves every once in a while. I'm like, when I'm watching that for the first time, and this is the second time I've seen the film, by the way, was for this uh, discussion tonight. So I saw it about a year and a half ago. It's been on my mind. I wanted to revisit it and see what you guys thought. While we're on that and, same scene, um, I just want to make sure I don't forget about it because that is something I wanted to talk about. So I literally knew nothing about this movie. I didn't even read any kind of plot summary or any, any, anything, trailers, nothing. When I first, because that would, that's in the first probably 20 or 30 minutes or so, wouldn't it be when you, with that scene that you're talking Pretty about, early. Over, I yeah. was thinking, oh, okay, it's Japanese. Like, you know, this is right around the time grudge and Ringu. I'm like, oh, it's straight up like fucking ghost or demon thing. And that's for a minute. That's what I was expecting because the way that was shot in, in, you as a viewer, what you're thinking is, is she was like that for days until. Yeah. You, just yeah. waiting there. Yeah. And she, in, in, in her psychosis, she probably was, but, um, I was rambling. What was the original question you posed? I'm sorry. No, just your general pros, cons, likes, dislikes. Oh, pro, my pro. And okay. The imagery hands down, like the way that the film is paced and the way it's shot. I, I, I think it, I think it's just done really well. Um, the performances, I don't speak Japanese, so how well they're speaking, I don't, I can't ever tell. Uh, <laughs> At the but, very but least, I, it was translated well enough. It was translated yeah. well. I, I, I enjoyed the performances as far as, uh, as that goes. And dislikes, there, there's, there's, there are some moments that drag, I'm not going to lie, um, and some scenes that could be cut out. To, 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 to trim this could be an hour 30 film probably so uh, it being close to two hours is a little bit much but because there's lingering shots lingering not shots that aren't important lingering like why are we sitting for an extra six seconds while you're chewing or you know like something like that I, i'm just like okay for this type of movie let's let's speed that up so my, my likes, pretty much everything except for some of the lingering shots in the film. Um, and the score is nothing to me. I, I don't remember it the first time. I don't remember it this time. I don't, so the, the, there's, no, there's nothing memorable as far as uh, music goes. That'd be my, my two dislikes. Uh, what about you, Mr. Prejean? Well, uh, my palate is quite refined. <laughs> this film. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, anyway, I'm 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 digging it, Travis. I'm gonna kind of echo Travis a little bit, like the the pacing. 
like I, I don't feel like this needs to be a two-hour movie. I feel like that was quite a bit of time out of my life that I didn't need to spend. <laughs> um, and like, like I think this the pacing is. I keep wanting to say kind of fucked, but I think it's moderately fucked because there. I, I don't know, man. Like I had trouble. Like I had to stop and take breaks and stuff. Damn. Times, yeah, because I was losing. Like I was just zoning out. That being said, the imagery, the way the way shit is shot, the way shit is framed, like I got like. 70s Italian vibes from it, which blew me away a little bit. And that one scene that we were talking about, I'm glad you guys brought it up too, because that fucking shot, that was my favorite shot of the movie. Her waiting by the, the phone? That, yeah. Yeah, dude. Way, That's just creepy. That, dude, just like after it rings a few times, and like with her hair hanging, and mm-hmm. all you can see is her smile. It's straight up like oh. Ring. That's Ringu shit right there. Oh, that's like, oh my god, that's so, so creepy. That's, it's but, it's when but, it's yeah. when it rings and when she smiles. That's the part where yeah. my skin wants to crawl. I'm like, yeah, damn. Dude, she just smiles like she just like she knew she knew it was coming. The demon yeah. awakens. <laughs> yeah, that that part like you hear it ring a few times and she slowly creeps up that little fucked up smile yeah the imagery the imagery and the cinematography the acting was good like us like you said i don't speak japanese so i had oh you don't that's always kind of a thing (laughs) Uh, i know how to say deeper deeper everyone yeah kitty 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 everyone from iowa speaks (laughs) japanese did you know that hey hey hit us with some fucking uh traffic directions Uh, i need to know how to get to fucking madison square garden in japanese Oh, it is go deep on the go deep on the ticky 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 ticky. It just goes deeper, deeper. Go into the city. I've got a I've got a list of cons and problems I had with this movie, and to be honest, I'm actually surprised that both of you had issues with the pacing and the length of it, because that's one thing that I. Th- did I didn't even really notice. Um, granted, I did have to pause it like three or four times just to like, because I was like trying to finish cooking that burger. So I was running upstairs, walking, coming back down. But I had no problem with the length or any, I didn't think any scenes were really drawn out because I, I feel like this is, this is a slow burn. Just like Tibu said earlier, it's building up to something. And yeah. I think maybe, you know, because part of the, part of what I do is I do some research right before I watch the movie, but I'll never read. Like if you go on IMDb or or Wikipedia on the trivia stuff, they'll give you spoiler warnings. I don't read any of the spoiler stuff, but I did notice that he had 110 credits under him. So I was like, this director knows what he's doing. So there's got to be reasons for why he's doing scenes this way and why this is, you know, maybe there's a couple extra seconds left on this. So I was finding myself like maybe almost overanalyzing trying to like read too much into it so that i I, that's the first thing i wanted to address is is i didn't see it that way i thought that it went had pretty good pacing for being almost two hours personally the the first Uh, time i watched this film i was into the slow burn aspect i think i'm being honest right now this is just some open dialogue shit because I've been watching the Phantasm franchise, which each film, Ricky, is like, what, an hour 30, right? Pretty much. Roughly, yeah. 
yeah, I think I'm just into the more tighter story arc at the moment because I do love a good slow burn. Um, the first time yeah. I watched the audition, I was into it. This time, I, I, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I was, I, I was critical of the, the pacing more. So I was like, okay, let's just move on to the next scene. Let's, let's kind of, uh, I, mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe I was overanalyzing it to, to a degree. Not, not being as drawn in this time, perhaps. So I figure we're going we're gonna to take a little U-turn here because since we're not going to be covering the movie as we typically would in a standard Joe Blow format with the fireside chat, for people that decide to listen to this without watching the movie, we'll give them just a quick little synopsis here. The one on IMDb sucks, so I'm just going to kind of ad-lib some shit here. Hell so yeah. essentially what we do is, is the, the movie opens, we see a man grieving the loss of his wife, his son's coming in to the, the hotel or the hotel. Yeah. Right. The hospital, hospital. and mom's got like a diorama uh, with him. Yeah. Yeah. Mom's dying unexpectedly. Flash forward to seven years later, we find out that uh, Ayama and his buddy, Yoshi Kanakumahapa. <laughs> Yoshikawa. Yeah. Yeah. Yoshikawa. They are buddies <laughs> in the film industry. He, Ayama gets a comment from his son of, you look like you're wasting away. You need to find a woman. So this kind mm-hmm. of rings true to him. So his buddy sets up an audition for a fake, not so fake movie for him to meet women. He meets yep. Sami and shit goes down when he starts to get to know her a little bit better. Yeah, the, the the whole setup for the the audition is the the producer has an idea for a film, but the 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 B plot is to get his buddy hooked up, which his son's been egging him on for. Yeah, all this setup is good. I, I and I love the performances. They all this is fine. Uh, the dinner scene with the son again. Uh, that's where my pacing issues come in. I'm like, just give us the exposition that we're getting towards maybe you know if if i had to say one issue i had with pacing would be i felt like they could have cut the the audition part in half no that that was drawn out nope no i love i loved all the audition stuff i thought it was so they they had they had these women okay explaining themselves their sex lives their drug addictions they're performing tap dancing and fucking like geisha traditional geisha like movements and 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 i'm like this is bizarre and 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 fucked up and but funny. none of that moved the plot along technically i mean they literally showed 30 i don't care about that at that point though yeah that's where i like i like i like all right <laughs> i mean to me it was entertaining so if i'm sure. if, if i but if you want to if you want to say cut that I mean, if we're, if we're nitpicking, I'm like, I just was waiting the whole time. Like, none of these girls are going to matter. We're spending so much time on it. Get to Asami. I felt like they went above and beyond the plateau of that build up to her. Because yeah. the first time they built it up where you thought she's coming, they're like, we're going to take a 10-minute break. And then they went through the whole thing again and showed you another fucking 20 girls. And you're like, all right, come on. Let's get this shit rolling. I do like, I do like the scene where um, he goes through uh, – when they do take the break, Ayomi goes – Ayami – goes through the uh whatever they keep wherever they keep the corral of women and Asami, he sees, Asami, yeah there's asami's the girl and ayama th- is the guy ayama yeah he sees asami across the way but he thinks it's her but he don't know then she comes in she explains her broken ass self 
Um, and but he, you know, you could tell he read her her resume because he's like, you talked about um, ballet being a big part of your life, and you injured your hips, and so you you've had to face these and sacrifice the things you love and, and face these great things. I can tell you take life seriously. And he's having this like want to be deep conversation with her because he's kind of feeling, you know, stricken by her story. So you have to remind me, I don't let me interrupt you just for a second here because you have to remind me about something later on is I've got a theory on this as far as whether or not she did research on him. So Whoa. Yeah. So anyways, keep going. Oh, so, well, he talks to her and she leaves and um, the producer's like, all right, we're taking another break. So third break. And, <laughs> and he's like this. So this is the chick pretty much. Right. Like kind of, he, he kind of basically knows cause the guy wasn't talking to fucking anybody that came in there. Um, yeah, he didn't say a single word for, through the whole audition, and there was 30 women. Asami was 28 out of the 30. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he goes – he, like, contacts her privately, and they, they meet each other. They see each other. They start to form a relationship. He eventually breaks the news to her. This might be some scenes later, though. I might be jumping ahead where uh, she's not getting the part, but she's just happy seemingly to be – involved with him go out to fancy restaurants eat the food like she seems very innocent um at first but yeah very you know the little i do know about traditional japanese is that just their nature is they're very reserved yeah and she everyone's been, bowing to everybody else yeah, constantly she's the so much bowing. that like she's almost like old school japanese where don't talk unless you've been, you know, spoken to kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, right. She like, bows polite and like yeah. She like, bows to them for the for the audition. Walks and then again when she leaves. Yeah, I'm like, "Oh, okay. Let's just bow all yeah. the time." God just damn. All the time, bro. It was <laughs> I'm I'm not hating on it. It's not I'm not I'm not being critical yeah. of it. I I was like, oh okay, the, you know. The, no, the I mean it showed, cool. it showed it showed you how she portrayed herself, you know. Right. Maybe, maybe it is how she is, you know. <laughs> well, by the end of it, she's yeah, a lot of ways. <laughs> she's like a fanatic of because okay, so Boss Tuna thought this was going to go in an exorcist direction, so. You said early on, and I said it took like 45 minutes to get to the good shit, but if you're saying that the scene where she's waiting for him to call her, because by now they, they've they've got a personal connection. She she has well, his number is, or whatever. But. Yeah, I think that scene was literally after um, they, they called, the very first time he called, and they went out. So he called her at night, and – they went out for, for that lunch or whatever. And then he made it clear he wanted to do it again. And she, he was like, I'll ring you. And then his buddy said, promise me you, you'll at least give it a couple of days of cool luck. Cause he's in puppy love right now. I mean, he's, yeah. He, and his he's buddy, looking at her and he's looking at the file, the way you two look at each other with that fucking phantasm orgasm, little orb thing you got there, Ricky. <laughs> yeah. We're cosmically jerking off on each other all yep. the time. Um, look, no, face dust all over his face. Yoshikawa 
the the producer friend is like, look, I researched her. Uh, she said she was being taken care of by an agent named uh, Shibata from uh, Ace Records. He looked her up and looked the guy up, and he's like, hey, look, this dude went missing 18 months ago. She might be trouble. Like his buddy's warning him from the beginning from the beginning he's like the prophet you know character or whatever the mm -hmm. fuck like just the 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 herald on the hill like this is not gonna be good but our main <laughs> character who has a greedy mindset to a certain extent not so greedy as others but he, he knows what he wants which i could get into the film's subtext of is this a feminist film is this right. a, oh we, we're definitely gonna have to get get to that do you well so there's a couple while we're on that whole like cinematography that man likes what that man knows what he likes <laughs> yep what do you what do you want me to say well, there are some some themes that that because i was you know looking at a couple of main review or not main but like some big name critic reviews and stuff and i disagreed with a couple of things they said but there's a couple things too by this point of the movie that is changing so when we first meet asami the the camera work is very different from the very first part of the movie to the end of the movie so when yep. we're first getting to know her a lot of the shots there's a lot of pov shots and it's not of anyone else but all the pov shots we see are from asami's point of view and then as the movie goes later in and later it, it, it kind of switches where it goes from ayama's point of view and they're focused a lot more on her face so i you know that that i thought was pretty interesting the, 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 i feel like they're trying to make you sympathize with her because of also right they give you her backstory over time and she's been abused and yeah. they're they're right. hitting over the head with her innocence in the beginning yeah right and her trauma of her past yeah yeah so the cinematography, I would say, I know you guys were talking a lot about the cinematography. I, I would say my favorite scene has to be the one with her hunched over the phone, creepy-like, like she's almost possessed. But oh. you, there's certain movies out there that you notice cinematography, and this is 100% them. This is one where I've noticed it more than, I don't even know, the last handful of movies we've covered on here. And the one scene in particular that got me was the framing and the shot when they're in the bar in the very first few minutes of the whole movie when they were in the bar that was framed so perfectly because you come in and the camera gives you multiple angles and points of view to show you here's a couple sitting at the bar to their right mm -hmm. here's uh yoshikawa and ayama sitting at the bar with the bartender and then it pans over to the giggling bimbos in the left corner where they make a comment with once that's been established, the camera sets it pans back and you got this frame. That's perfect because you have just the side small profile of the lady sitting at the bar to the right. You have them and it focuses the bartenders making a drink to the point where you're like, it didn't surprise me when we saw him later on. And then you had right. the, in the background. I was like, that's yep. That that's pretty, Pretty impressive. I, I like that shot a lot. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was. I'm glad someone brought it up. Yeah, I, I appreciated mean, that a lot. Yeah, I, there's. I honestly went straight to the shining, actually. 
Yeah. Yeah. Actually I can, I can see that. Yeah. There's a lot of those yeah. like establishing shots and then boom, I'm going to frame it so you can see everything. And yeah. that scene ha went on for probably 10 minutes. So all things like that. Yeah. That, that I, I, I did appreciate so one of the little nuances I enjoyed and, and this is going way far ahead because um, there's a whole mystery that unravels with her that 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 I want to talk about a little bit but the scene where she <laughs> way ahead jabs the needles into his eyes yeah. and then she plick like plucks each one and his pain and the sound effect of each one plinking and I feel almost like the reverberation in my eyeball <laughs> when I'm watching yeah. that scene. And I'm like, God, because it have y'all ever seen 127 hours with James yeah. Franco? Mm -hmm. Yep, the rock climbing yeah. one. Yeah, the scene where he cuts into the nerve in his arm, that pinches the core of me. Like, I'm like, oh God, I feel that shit, dude. And I kind of felt that scene with the 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 needles in the eye. Yeah. The whole mystery with her that unravels, though, is like this chick has been killing people, okay, left and right, right? I mean, yeah, she, there's there's been what two or three that we know of. That we know of, she did. She killed Sabata, the bar owner, and the music exec. And the music yeah. exec was the one at the bay at the end, right? Um, yeah, because he, he didn't have feet. He was missing fingers and a tongue, and they found that at the uh, murder and dismemberment, dismemberment, love that word, of the bar owner. <laughs> and, and it's like we found extra pieces here that aren't his. <laughs> what the fuck? It's <laughs> so crazy. And by the end of the movie, she, she sneaks into Ayama's house, and finds a picture of his deceased wife and gets pissed and spikes his fucking liquor canter or whatever the fuck he decanter that he keeps his whiskey in. And he drinks it and passes out. And she's there. And this is where the movie goes into dream flashback fuckery. Well, that's, I'm not expecting all that. Yeah. So that's where I had. So a few of the problems I had were brought up already. The lack of score and atmosphere uh yeah yeah i agree I, I feel like that this movie could have been i mean it, it could have been quite i'm trying to think it would of, have definitely benefited from a good yeah i'm good trying to think of like uh yep. you know someone who could have come in with a really like a trent reznor score or something just some something some, something moody and and electronic ish and but, but low-key yeah, yeah because there's right minimal to give it tension to give it more tension right there's so many perfect definitely. scenes that could have you know we we and it's funny because with fido we brought up quite a few moments about the score and how effective it yep. was um very this one, there's a lot of themes that that could have been accentuated with the score but there was there is virtually no atmosphere in this movie at all there were a couple effective jump scares i thought um with the bag the very first time <laughs> when it yeah. rolled over that was yeah hell cool. yeah uh, as well too but the biggest hang-up i have with this is with all of these fucking weird flashbacks I, I this is where i'm like i need to watch this again or someone needs to explain this to me because it was so confusing 
I don't it's, know it's, whose it's, eyes I'm looking at this through. Am I looking at this through Asami or Ayama? Like I was just so fucking confused and it was actually pissing me off because it really brought me out of the movie when I was trying to like process all that. It is very confusing. Uh, Ricky, what did you think about that whole fucking ordeal? <laughs> I didn't understand it, but I enjoyed it quite a bit. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right, I think I like this movie now. <laughs> yeah, I'm the exact opposite. I was like, this this is this is fucking crazy. Now now I'm happy. <laughs> I mean, like I was appreciating, you know, the the filmmaking and whatnot beforehand, you know, but I wasn't enjoying the movie so much. But once once it got to this point, I was like, okay, this is I don't get it, but I don't have to. I love I'm it. Gonna, I'm going to say after seeing it two times that this scene, or these series of scenes rather, it, it, it really is just a, it's a way of explaining plot details, but being sort of abstract about it. It's, it's, it's not right. straightforward, and, and you could watch it again and again, and it's not going to fully explain itself, but what I gather is that she broke into his house, spiked his liquor, I guess, brought the bag there. The, the, huh? Fucked up his dog. Well, yeah, they killed, uh, what's his name, Gangu? Gangu? Gangu, yeah. Goddamn yeah, dogs. Killed, neck I was, was like, oh, fucker. So this movie well, has a dog. in there with that broken neck too, eh? Yes, yes it is. Uh, this movie has a, a dead dog in it. So, you know, yeah. for the the frazzled out there, you're frazzled again. Um, the dog didn't really die. Get over yourself. <laughs> are y'all here? Are y'all hearing my dog right now? No. Is he, is he, okay, good. Does he see some, no, he's, dimey he's doing what he did. Japanese lady and a gimp outfit coming in or what? <laughs> <laughs> Look, dude, that's I mean, disgusting. He's used that. to that. <laughs> that's, that's just a good time. That, that lady, that's a Saturday night. Saturday night in fucking Louisiana, son, vomit bowls for the, the vomit gimp. Okay, so that's when that scene happens where she she throws up in a fucking dog bowl and feeds All it right. to the, the vomit gimp. I wanted gimp. to save this pop for this scene, so let me go ahead and introduce this scene with a fresh pop. Yeah, because this is fucking amazing. Ayama uh, <laughs> wakes up or whatever. I don't know what's going on right here, but she fucking just vomits in the kitchen into a dog bowl, walks over to the gimp, the vomit gimp that crawled out the bag and he's missing his feet. He's missing fingers. He's missing a tongue because all that was cut off by her. And he, she puts this fucking vomit bowl down and he greedily. Well, you, yeah, you see her in the background at first, like at first I was like, well, maybe she's vomiting because she is getting grossed out. Like that was her first kill and she was regretting it, but nope. She was forcing herself to vomit in that, carrying it over. She's fucking slopping, you know, butternut squash, gazpacho all over <laughs> and putting it down in front of the, the crippled gimp. And you got to feed, you got to feed your fucking victims, dude. You got to feed your fucking vomit gimps. All right. Some way, somehow. And this movie shows you how to do it. And from here on out, we're introduced into, like I said, bizarre, flashbacks and and dream sequences all interspersed and alternate realities um that but the the main thread of what's happening right now is that 
Asami is punishing Ayama for being just like all the other men. You hire people and you pretend you want to hire them for this and that, and then you fuck them. And we're learning slowly but surely that Hollywood is actually rampant with this. This is not like a secret. Yeah. And this was 22 years ago. So, yeah. Right. Well, let's get into the biggest flaw or problem I have with this movie is in these flashback scenes. And maybe you guys can help me out with explaining it. But the way I took it as an attempt, whether it was done abstractly or not, to kind of start connecting the dots. Because looking afar, we've got a picture, but it hasn't been completely shaded in yet, if you will. And although as a viewer, we, you know, whether or not you knew going into this movie or you had an idea of where it was going, you, you kind of started to realize something's not up with Asami. And I feel like the director is now making an attempt to, again, connect those dots and kind of outline what's been going on. However, if I'm going to steal Tibu's word in that it was so abstract that it, I, I, I thought it was just, I got lost in it. It was overwhelming and distracting. I was left unsatisfied, if you will. I, we've talked about this before. I'm completely fine with movies that are very, you know, open interpreted as far as endings or certain situations. But I feel like when you throw something like this in, it's got to give you a little something to, you know, keep you going. And I was just kind of lost because I was over and, and it does a great job because it's going to take up a good amount of time or a good amount of conversation between the three of us here to kind of understand it. And it makes for a good movie to discuss. However, the biggest problem I have is that I am sitting there left scratching my head. Like, am I reading too into this or am I not getting something? Is it me? Is it obvious? Am I missing it? Am I looking at this through Asami's eyes? Am I looking at this through Ayama's? Are these flashbacks? Because there were a lot of things in here that didn't make sense, but then there were some that elaborated more on previous scenes. Yeah. Like, like, like uh, her accepting his marriage proposal in the morning, as opposed to her not being there when he wakes up. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, was that supposed to be in the morning or did he propose to her and then they bang and then she well, because, because of the lighting, I think it's the morning. Yeah, I. Yeah, that was confusing yeah. for me as well. Yeah, but because I, I was trying to figure out how to take that. Like, did he actually propose to her and then they bang and then she drugged him and took off, but he doesn't remember? Or you, you know, there no. Was, I think that was. I think that was his his idealized version of what would have happened between them. Because what that should moment, have happened between them. Okay. Yeah. yeah at that moment, that. she was like, dying. Maybe some of this is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What about yeah. the scene at the at the diner when they're having the beer and he earlier asked her about her family and she's like, oh yeah, they're good. You know, I've got a decent relationship with my dad. I'd say it's average. We're not super close, but we're not, you know, fighting either. But then this scene has her spilling her whole guts. But then we get a lot, we get some things from her perspective, which don't make any sense then if this is like a fever dream or something. And then we get some things from his perspective, like what she is supposedly saying during that 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 you know that beer they had 
I think I think the beer scene might actually be one and the same. She might have uh, so pre- like lied like she did before about her agent, yeah. and then she might have come clean with the truth. I mean, there's multi. I think you can interpret it uh, kind of. It, it's it's yeah. these scenes at the end. The movie takes a turn where it it does become this <laughs> like a roller coaster ride of what the fuck. And I think I, I think it, it is left to the interpretation. So I could tell you my interpretation. I don't know, ultimately, after two watches, what the movie is trying to say with with how it structures these scenes. Well, I other than hear, yeah, I want to hear mm-hmm. your interpretation. I want to hear Ricky's interpretation. But a couple more scenes I want to talk about because what doesn't make sense to me then is is what happened? Was it did she say that she you know, her, she was all fucked up and had a fucked up childhood and he kind of blocked it out mentally. I think so. And, and wanted to hear what he wanted to hear. Or yep. did she say that, you know, she has a normal childhood and then we're getting that scene from her perspective. Also, what about the scenes with her and the guy at the piano and, you know, getting abused as a kid, that whole thing kind of threw me for a loop. So when he went to visit the guy at the piano, that was before what I call the fever dream part where he's having the hallucinations. So when he's in his efforts to try to track her down, he goes to the old ballet studio. He's like trying to grasp on any piece of information he can to track her down. And he remembers the ballet studio that she had talked about. He goes there, it's all boarded up. There's someone playing the piano. Was there really a guy playing, playing the piano? And if there was, that was a really weird scene. I think there's, I think there's a lot of symbology in this film. Like when she kills him in a later scene, that's her cutting ties with the torture of her, of, of what was her previous life. So no, go ahead. Well, this is just my interpretation. I don't know because I'm looking at it the same way you are like, this doesn't make sense because he met this character, but they're showing her kill this character so what the fuck yeah Um, that's where i'm coming from is 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 did i i think it's i think it's symbolic i don't i don't think her i don't think she actually killed that character i think he was there i think i think he maimed her and tortured her and taught her his ways so to speak and i think she's a tortured person who like him has an idealized version of what things should be like. And you do get those fucked up perspectives where Mm -hmm. you could see it from her point of view or his, but I think his was blocking out the the truth of her fucked up past because he wouldn't even listen to Yoshikawa. Um, he, He, and all this was spurred on by his son too, which it's like, this was all spurred by tragedy. This whole story is spurred by tragedy. Um, and, and and we didn't even talk about what happens. We didn't even talk about it. Right. We'll get there. We'll get there. So ultimately, do you guys think that he broke into that ballet place? Excuse me. Do you think he actually broke in there? And do you think the guy playing the piano was real? Yeah. That's how I, I took it. I think he was really okay. there. Do you think that her going to kill him was real because that happened before I believe, right? The fever dreams. No, it happened during, I don't, I don't, again, I think that was, yeah, that was happening within 
that whole sequence. Okay. Um, okay. There's two sequences of fever dreams. Um, yeah. I don't know what they are either. So that's a, a good term for them. Okay. And, and yeah, in one of those, she's using the piano wire to decapitate him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it, it's, it's difficult because I didn't I think know. that's symbolic. Yeah. Personally. It's symbolic. Okay. I, I, mean, I, I don't, I don't know how to take it otherwise unless you, well, what's your, what's your overall interpretation of that whole fever dream scenario? Oh boy. I'm about to get rambly. So, you know, like, like we discussed before, you know, I feel like this is sort of a, a feminist movie. You know, I think it addresses the idolization, idealization of women from a, patriarchy type of perspective but on the other hand ioma is that is that no yeah ioma's the guy yeah ioma's yeah, the guy and yoshikawa's as okay the, the lead actress huh? asami. asami asami yeah asami um you know she also has this fucked up idealized version of everything too you know she's like she's like you know you said you don't only love me you know like can't even love your son, man. You know, it's like, yeah, you can't give know. yourself entirely to me. She says, yeah, it, it's, it's so strange, but I don't know. I'm having a hard time putting it together in words, but I, I just feel like the purpose of all of that stuff was to, you know, sort of like exposition, just to kind of give you the explanation of all of that. Like you said, with her, you know, cutting homeboy's head off with him cranking it later when she's doing what what she's doing to him (laughs) i just just think i just think all of that is surreal imagery i kind of treated it like i treat the dream sequences in hey phantasm and uh other movies sort of like a basking and whatnot I don't know. I, I don't have a lot to say about it. <laughs> I yeah. just simplified it as much as I could just now. Yeah. No, I, I, well, I agree with all that. I mean, I think, I think it is, it is, it's a, it's a narrative way to push the, fu- the fucking message of the film in a, in a symbolic way. And I do think it is feminist. And I do think it's also pointing out, it's pointing out uh, irregularities perhaps in both male and female perspective of uh, what a what a right. relationship should be of what an ideal an idealization of and what an ideal relationship should be because you know um aomi and his partner i mean like they're <laughs> you know they're having a fucking audition i mean you know like how how crazy is that and they're that's the date audition. that's the dating scene though man it's like everyone's pretending I like the Louis C.K. bit where he's like, every guy that's on a first date is like 50 different guys all at once. He's like, whatever yeah. fits the mold at this moment, I'm just a hodgepodge of fuckery to, to get this chick to sleep with me. And right. from, from the female perspective, which I don't, I don't personally have, so I don't know what all the majority of females necessarily want, but it's like her idea is someone who, if you can't love just me, you're not enough. So right. we're going to get into the the themes in a minute here because I don't personally, j- just me, I don't think it's 
a, a feminist kind of deal, but, you know, but that's coming from a privileged white guy. So who am I to have an opinion on that? Right. Yeah, we're three but, white guys right. talking about shit. I don't think it is. I, I've got my own, own home. Yep. I've got, I've got my own theory on that, but the short version is I was hoping you guys would be able to shed some light on this because part of me is like, if this is just his, you know, going off the walls, you know, rage cage, well, not really, but his idea of, 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 of an artistic vision that's so abstract, it doesn't make sense. It's really going to piss me off because no, I am not I don't the type of that. person that can grasp onto something like that. And that's what I feel like it is because I'm just so confused. And I, I just like, Oh, I want to know what is going on. What's because there's so much that goes in there too. I mean, there's, did he actually have an affair or did he actually bang his secretary? I mean, I was wondering about that. Did that actually happen? Good Lord. You know, I I had the whole, my my whole thing was, I I think he was ignoring people in his life that actually loved him. His secretary, his maid. I think they actually were trying to show him, Hey, like the secretary was like, I'm getting married. Like, right. Like trying to get him to, to, to maybe be like object to it and be like, Oh, because you know, you know she uh, wasn't getting married. She doesn't even have a boyfriend. Yeah, that, that whole subplot is sad. But I, I think it was him ignoring, again, like how he distracted himself from Asami's twisted reality. I think he was ignoring people around him that really cared about him for his, like Ricky was saying, idealized version of, you know, a mate. You know, uh, right. I, I, think, I, th- I do think this movie is, I don't think there's this, grand ending he had in mind i think he was trying to piece together i I do think he was trying to be artsy yes but i don't to me my interpretation is it's trying to fit together parts of the narrative at the end with all the surreal flashbacks or alternate you know whose perspectives but the main thread is he gets tortured his son comes home kills that bitch and that's the end of the film. Like, so that's all. That's that's it to me. Like, I, I don't. I don't, spend I don't think- much more time on this, but I, I do think that what I'm going to give way to is the fact that this may have been poorly interpreted, because there are some things. So when she's initially starting to torture him and shoving those. Um, those, those needles. needles what the hell are those needles called uh, i don't know dude no, i just call them needles. Like acupuncture. Acupuncture yeah needles. she's shoving yeah. the acupuncture needles she's saying a bunch of things which you know i think to to kind of um be a little bit more succinct in what she's saying is that once you achieve this amount of pain you'll you'll truly know who you are so yeah. Yeah. maybe the whole thing is just being interpreted where he's in so much pain that he is, you know, all of these things he's had pent up since his wife had passed and missed opportunities and, you know, pushing people away that have loved him. Maybe, you know, because it's, it's, you know, coming through him as far as what he's interpreting her to be like, what she has, what he wants her to be when she's answering one thing and, and, you know, the whole idea of his buddies warning him, well, maybe she is a psycho, blah, blah, blah. So I think that through all this pain, he's starting to kind of realize certain things and admit things to himself. But if it's, I hadn't, I hadn't, I, that's a revelation to me. I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. If it is all that, then that 
to me makes all that surreal shit at the end even better. Yeah. Cause it's yeah. like the pain is making him experience everything. Yeah. All, yeah. Right. All possible. Making him experience. Right. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. Actually. I like that. Okay. Fuck, so got that far. yeah. And anything you guys want to touch on before we wrap this, the, the, the fever dream portions up and we get on to a couple other things here and, be good no. to your vomit. Yeah, well, always feed them. Yeah, they can't go hungry. Yeah. Not in my amount Get your of vomit gifts. Get your vomit gifts to eat a neuter. <laughs> I will say the whole thing with the sun, when I, I, I didn't know where that was going to go, I wasn't sure how right. this was going to end. With, with, with the turn the movie took, with how brutal it was, I was like, oh, God, the sun's getting it. And yeah, I thought it was going to end a lot nastier personally. Yeah. Although I thought like, God, they got a little bit too like, you know, 1960s samurai for me when he kicked her and she flew 800 feet. But hold on, hold on. We got to talk about what happens to this guy, man. Yeah. She fucking puts these, these needles in his belly. Acupuncture needles. Yeah. These long thin needles into his stomach and pushes them in and as she's digging them in she says deeper deeper and in japanese it's like kitty 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 and she's saying it so and the camera focuses on her face of just she loved it she was oh she She was enjoying it every second of it and she's dressed up in this shit that i'm like ricky's gonna like this scene Yeah, yeah, <laughs> piano wire. Cool. Yeah, I was down with it. The yeah. piano. She that? takes. We she takes the piano. piano wire. Yeah, there's a. Yeah, she sh- she shoves those needles in his eyes, takes the piano wire and saws off one of his feet and throws it at the fucking glass door. And I'm. I love like, the way it hits the fucking door. Yes. Yep. Very good. It, very it's well almost, done. And the effects are awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They really were, man. I was. I was. I was really impressed with that. Uh, what ninety nine? Was that nineteen ninety nine? Yeah, yeah. I was, was even really noticing good. things like the makeup on jumping ahead a little bit with her broken neck. I love that that yeah. shot, that frame with the bone like kind of sticking through the skin on his neck. It was perfect. You could tell yeah. there was some yeah. kind of prosthetic and they're pushing it up, but they the makeup everything was done so perfect. You could barely tell that it was fake. And and then the sun comes in. Cause he comes home earlier or whatever the fuck. And his dad's like, Oh shit. And he's like, who the fuck are you? And she's spraying shit at his face. That, yeah. that ain't good enough. Some kind of chloroform or something, maybe something. Uh, I, don't know. I, was figuring. I figured it had to be something like that. Okay. Yeah. So the final scene, she's spraying the chloroform at him, runs up the stairs, he falls down. He, he, he goes, goes she he fucking three hundreds her her ass. <laughs> He's like, This is fucked <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I'm sorry. But no, yeah, it was great. great great scene with the broken neck, creepy with her kind of mumbling words afterwards, and it just wraps up with the son calling the cops and you get a happy ending ish. Less of fun. I love, I love- I love how the son's like, Dad, are you okay? And I'm like, Yeah, that that was yeah, that was I'm pretty. Great. That was poorly. I thought the son was great character and acting the whole time, but that like he sat That's there and stared at him for way too long for me to be like, 
you see your dad laying there with yeah. our foot. You don't just – I mean, I know you're in shock, but, yeah, that was right. a bit silly. But. And I get that he doesn't know what to do because he's in shock, but it's like, really? Are you going to ask him if he's okay? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. I'm great, son. Having a wonderful time. Okay, oh, so shit. any let's, – let's wrap this up here as far as do you guys – any final thoughts? Go ahead, give your final thoughts and ratings. Who wants to go first? I'll, I'll go. go first. Oh, you go. You go first. No, I'll you go, go first. Yeah, right, I retract for y'all, um, Ricky, because of the BDSM aspects and overall story. <laughs> uh, Boss Tuna, because of honestly, I, I I thought you would appreciate the overall story as well. Um, just how it builds tension where it goes and what it takes to get there. And then when the payoff happens, I thought the payoff was fucking phenomenal. I thought the imagery was phenomenal. The pacing I had a issue with on my second view, um, no score at like, like we've all talked about to be spoken of. So with, with that being said, audition 1999, I'm going to come in with an eight out of 10 uh, for this movie. I'm taking off two points for the pacing and for the sc- lack of, lack of score, lack of atmosphere. Um, it's two big hits, man. But everything else—the acting, the cinematography, uh, the story itself—some um, people might compare this to. And I kind of got the vibe of like, well, no, we no, y'all, you, you did mention this earlier, right? Like torture porn films. Yeah, it's considered how it ends. one of the first of the torture porn. Yeah, with I don't, um, I don't, thought. I don't, I don't dig oh. that. I, I and I, I don't see that with this movie at all. Um, no, because it's it's one scene, but that that is a pretty graphic and drawn out scene. Sure, and if you wanted to say that scene is, I wouldn't call it torture porn. To me, torture porn means it's just gore and and torture for the sake of like looking at it. To me, this movie had <laughs> to me this movie had a, a, pur- a purpose for it, you know. Um, so I wouldn't consider this gore p- torture porn or whatever. Um, so I would come in with a uh, eight out of ten is where I'm coming in on my second view of audition. All right. So, <clears throat> like I said before, my biggest issue, my biggest issues were pacing. Lack of atmosphere. My biggest pros were imagery, story. I love surreal shit. I love out of the box, ridiculous shit. And I like violence. Hell yeah. So yeah, the second the second half I feel like is, is really strong, but the first half has a lot of qualities that I, I can I recognize. I see its value. You know, the filmmaking, the, the cinematography is uh stellar but i i was i was kind of bored so that being said I, I do appreciate like i love the look of the film like especially in the first half like the first few minutes i was like man this looks like a 70s movie and i was really digging it that being said the acting's great pacing and score lack of atmosphere and some of the some of the dialogue writing, I was kind of like, that's a, a bit of a stretch, considering how realistic all of the dialogue and relationships were beforehand. 
I always got to so, take with a grain of salt whenever you're having a foreign language film try to get translated to English. That that yeah, that it because you know I don't speak Japanese, so I don't know, I don't hear the nuances. So right, um, yeah. That being said, I I don't know when I'm gonna watch this again. I will revisit it one day. I do kind of love it, so I'm gonna go ahead and come in with a seven. Seven out of ten? Yeah. Damn, I didn't meet my criteria. All right. But at least I wanted to go last because there's a couple other things I want to hit on real quick. We didn't really talk about well, first first question I have for you, Ricky, hypothetical scenario. Um, you go into work tomorrow, everybody knows you recorded this. You're a big superstar podcaster at work. They're like, Okay, I know you did. I know you <laughs> oh, did. He'd be uh, flying. What's it about? What, is, <laughs> what, what kind of movie is Audition? What would you tell them? What kind of movie is Audition? I would tell them it's a romantic comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I would say it's a slow burn romantic comedy with a happy ending payoff. <laughs> Just make sure you sit there till the end. <laughs> you got to know his coworkers. <laughs> All right, Tibu, what would you? <laughs> I would just, I would just want to trick as many people as I could into yes. watching this. That's what we have to do too with our wives. <laughs> what kind of movie is this, Tibu? What kind of movie is this? This, kind of this movie? is a, this is a. Don't. I, okay, it's I a don't mystery. Don't trust anybody. Movie. It's it's a mystery that unfolds because of tragedy. And a lonely man is seeking out a, a lonely woman that he finds, but she turns out to be twisted as fuck. It's Gone Girl, kind of, but he's twisted too in that movie. I don't think this guy is twisted. I think she she got fucked up, and it's just a tra it's a tragedy. It's the whole movie's a, tra a tragedy. Uh, I'd say. So I guess the where I'm going down this path is. I did read a couple afterwards and I didn't let this influence, you know, my thoughts on the movie or anything, but I did read a couple reviews and, you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt again, when you're reading anything from, you know, the New York post or the LA film, whatever. And yeah. everyone's talking about it as being a, you know, a feminist movie, misogynistic, blah, 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 whatever. Again, I, I can attribute some of that to just being Japanese, Japanese is it's a different culture things get lost in translation um, I almost looked at it as a revenge film but from a different perspective and there there is a little bit mystery in it so earlier on I kind of hinted that I had a theory and I was I don't know how I thought about this but after the movie I'm sitting there thinking I'm like what would this movie be like if it was told through the eyes of Asami 100% told through the eyes of Asami. I feel like this is, and, and I might lose you guys with this if you're not familiar with The Walking Dead, but there's a big theory out there with The Walking Dead because everybody thinks Rick and his group are, you know, pristine, super good guys. You know, you know, they, they're they're just the pillar of of hope and faith. Well, you look at The Walking Dead through the eyes of other people. It's it's you know that flip that script could get flipped, you know, there, other people are just trying to live, right. you know, the governor and all this. So I'm looking at it like, I wonder what would happen if we looked at this through the eyes of Asami. Oh, she, she's been tortured. She's been, yep. yeah. Like, yep. 
I think they right. make it. <clears throat> I, I I got that they were. She's doing this for that reason. Like I got that oh, from yeah. the film that she's trying to fuck people up because she's been fucked up herself. Um, well, look at look at what you said about uh, homeboy uh, with the piano wire. You know, she yeah. she cuts off his head to, you know, symbolic like, of her killing her past, her, her torturous past, right, killing yeah. her past, and then now she's inflicting this pain on this man, and mm-hmm. her past is cranking it while watching. Yep, <laughs> cranking oh, it, boy. You know, I mean, that, that, that all right there. That says so, all. That says it all right there, you know. <laughs> right, and, and the thing to keep in mind is everybody that she's killed has been a quote unquote bad person, you know. So you look at the, the the executive, the music exe- executive. You have to assume it's for the same reason. So the tragedy in this right. is at the very end when he is all drugged up, he's paralyzed, he can't really talk, and she is like, "Yeah, you went through." You know, how many, a hundred women, I think she said, you go through and sleep with the ones you want and you kick them to the curb. And the tragedy is that that's not at all what happened. I mean, he, right. is, there's nothing for anyone to think that he is anything but a good person. A lonely and, old right, man. This is just a shitty, knows what he shitty wants. situation. So it's a tragedy in that respect. But, you know, if you're looking at it through her eyes, she's doing justice you know she's out there trying right. to stop the henry or harvey weinstein the revenge. yeah yep yep so there's i i do that's where i have to say is i got to disagree with Hashtag the whole me too plus <laughs> yeah misogyny and and feminist kill them before they do anything fuck them yeah and i saw them talking like well you know this paints men as pigs because he's got criteria and standards and they set up this whole fake you know um this whole fake thing for him to find a woman. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm just naive. I don't think that's all that bad because there was a movie that was trying to get made in that. <laughs> yeah. He was trying to go on a date, but there that's Look, how was that any worse from fucking flipping through Tinder or Bumble or whatever? Now if, 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 if anyone of the right perspective got into that kind of relationship, they would say, Oh, that's a fun story for our, how right. we got together. Right. Right. I just think you're reaching and you're trying to, to write a article that's going to get some clickbait on it when you try to be like, Oh, check out this movie. That's a sexist, whatever. So I think, I think there's, there's sort of a feminist narrative to it, but it's, I don't think it's like a feminist film, so to speak. Like, like, no, like that. no, that the, 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 I just, yeah. I just think it has like a little bit of a socio social commentary, I guess. Kind of Romero ish or something, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's like, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I, I guess I was just going to throw in my, my rating. I, I'm, I'm kind of pissed. I really want to like this more. I, I really do. And I'm, unlike you guys, the difference with me is that I was really drawn in on the first half of this movie. Honestly, up until the weird fever dream situation, I was really drawn in because like Tibu said right away when we first started to talk about this is it, you knew it's going to be slow burn and it's going to build up to something. You're watching a horror movie, nothing in the first, like besides that scene of her slumped over, nothing in the first 45 minutes or hour says anything about a horror movie. And yeah. I was <clears throat> waiting I was, I mean, I was like, you know, high school hand job. I was right there, right there. And then why the fuck did you stop? And now I'm trying to finish myself off and it's just not the same because I'm trying to interpret things that aren't there. So I was really disappointed with that. 
and I was expecting a little bit more. It did. <laughs> the final scene was awesome. I loved that that whole torture scene with her, and I was yeah. oddly aroused. I mean, she was man. Oh. Her get on top of me. Oh. Terrible thing. But ultimately, I'm coming in. Needles. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm actually right in the middle of you guys. This is going to be a seven and a half for me. And unlike oh, oh, wow. you guys, all right. I mean, I, I I really like it. I just have a hard time trying to. I, I think that if I watched it again, I might understand some more things, or I would be okay with settling on. I think like, you'd be okay with settling. Like what I, I, I feel I'm like it's a rewatch movie. For yeah, sure. I, I'm. I'm actually I feel gonna, like it's because yeah. I mean, Joe Bob, I think, would maybe help us explain some things. I don't know. But mm-hmm. you no, know what? Get I, him on I, the I line like real him. quick. What's that? <laughs> yeah, get him, yeah, get him on the line real quick. Shoot him him text. Be like, hey, why don't you break this down for us? No, Audition, 1999, Takashi Miike. Probably, I mean, I've only seen this one movie, but I know that this one's probably the most talked about out of his. So I really enjoyed it. Tibu's at an eight. Ricky's at a seven. I am smack dab in the middle at a seven and a half. I really liked it. I will be rewatching I prefer it. Tokyo Gore Police. Tokyo, <laughs> Tokyo Gore Police. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just funny to say that because this is yep. so much more of a serious film. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, folks. I hope that was as good for you as it was for us. Boom. Hold up. You guys didn't actually think. We were going to let Ricky Prejean go through another episode without making him run the gauntlet, did you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Ricky Prejean. I finally made it. I've arrived. Are you, are you ready to run the gauntlet? Any last words? Um, happy to be here. <laughs> I knew that, this was going to be. Yeah. And the, that, first time I was on, the first time I was on, I wanted to do this. So I'm glad. Well, here's your chance. And with that, Ricky Prejean, you are going to run the gauntlet. Pizza or burgers? Pizza. Beer or liquor? Beer. Hockey, football, baseball, or basketball? Football. Ass or titties? Ass. Stand or sit when you wipe? Sit. Homebody or out with friends? Homebody. Fishing or hunting? Hunting. Cannibal Holocaust or Serbian film? Cannibal Holocaust. Rather go blind or rather go deaf? Yikes. Uh, deaf. Top half of Hulk Hogan and bottom half of Margot Robbie or bottom half of Hulk Hogan and top half of Margot Robbie? <laughs> okay, let me get a, get a grasp of this. Okay, I guess I would go bottom half Margot Robbie. Throw a garbage bag on top of her. (laughs) Penis-sized nipples or nipple-sized penis? Um, penis-sized nipples. (laughs) Rocker country. Oh, rap. Rock or country? Oh, I thought you said rap or country. Damn, rock. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Doggy or missionary? Doggy. Freddie, Jason, Michael, or Leatherface? Leatherface. 
Slasher, zombie, supernatural, or creature feature? Supernatural. Chucky or Leprechaun? <laughs> leprechaun. <laughs> John, John Carpenter or Wes Craven? Carpenter. Ari Aster or Jordan Peele? Aster. 90s horror or 2000s horror? 90s. Hills Have Eyes, the original or the remake? Oh, remake. <laughs> Low burns oh. or right to the point? <sighs> right to the point. Favorite horror movie you've ever seen? Phantasm, 1979. Whoa. Lucio Falci or John Carpenter? Cool. <laughs> uh, Carpenter. <laughs> the Tall Man or the Leprechaun? The Tall Man. <laughs> Ash from Evil Dead or Reggie from Phantasm? Ash. And nice. that is wrapped up the gauntlet. Congrats. Mr. Yay. Ricky Prejean, you made it out of the gauntlet. All right, that was it for real. We'll check you next time.